Join ResU in thoughtful conversations that will pique your curiosity and expand your mind. ResU's thought leadership and partners will introduce unique ideas and ways that help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Tree Scanlon, president of Resurrection University. This edition, we will be dedicated to sleep. So here's your wake up call. We all need it, but most of us don't get the right amount. We're talking to Dr. Christine Totes, a doctor of chiropractic medicine and an assistant professor at Resurrection University. Chris, let's talk about the science of sleep. Let's do that, Therese. <laughs> so Chris, you know, sleep and I are not friends. Mm -hmm. So why is sleep so important? Sleep's important on uh, many levels for everyone, everyone from infants all the way up to geriatric patients. Sleep is, sleep is a core need for every person. And what we're looking to do is to get the appropriate amount of sleep because studies indicate that lack of sleep changes people's immune function. It changes your rates for cancer and heart disease, as well as changes in alertness. So even simple things like not being able to concentrate at your job or falling asleep while you're driving and getting in car accidents. Any of those factors are affected by less sleep. So Chris, if I'm two versus 92, mm -hmm. is the amount of sleep I need different? Yes, the amount of sleep, the national um, foundations for sleep actually have recommendations for everyone from newborn infants up into adults and geriatric. So the younger you are, obviously, the more sleep you do need. Infants are sleeping in amounts anywhere from 14 to 17 hours, toddlers anywhere between 11 to 14 hours. And then adults, anyone 17 and above, need somewhere between seven to nine hours of sleep. So why is my 21-year-old sleeping 12 hours a day? He's just lazy? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, a lot of people like to sleep for various reasons. And sometimes, especially in teenagers, teenagers can sleep upwards of 10 to 11 hours a day to reprogram their brain to help eliminate stress hormones from their bodies. And teenage boys, especially up until about the age of 22 or 23, are actually still growing. And when you sleep, you actually emit growth hormone. So this is why sometimes, especially when your kids are little and you look at them and you go to get them up in the morning, you're like, I, I think you grew out of your pajamas overnight. Like it completely happens, yep. but it happens with teenagers as well. Oh, absolutely. So why aren't people getting the right amount of sleep? There's so many factors behind why people aren't getting a lot of sleep. Personally, in my opinion, um, and the research supports this as well, is there's a lot of what the teenage kids call FOMO these days. It's fear of missing out. Yep. Fear of missing out on information. Fear of missing out on activities. Fear of missing out on life passing you by. This is augmented by screens. Oh, sure. And the blue screens, um, anything that's backlit has a blue screen. Mm -hmm. So these are things like tablets and phones and televisions have been shown to stimulate an area in your brain called your reticular activating system, which actually keeps you awake. So anything that you're using that's backlit before bed for about an hour before bed is going to stimulate that area and it stimulates wakefulness in a person. So one of the worst things that you can do is, which is what a lot of people do, watch TV and then go to bed. Sure, sure. 
And then we have our phones next to us on our nightstands, right? Correct. And, and that's probably one of the worst things you can do. Correct. I always tell people to put, if you're going to have your phone to use it as an alarm, because a lot of people are looking for that minimalistic style now in their house and they don't want to have a lot of electronics in their room, but little do they realize they have their electronic frequency emitting telephone sitting right next to them is just to put their phone on airplane mode. And then you're not going to be interrupted with texts and phone calls and alerts and updates on your phone. And it's not going to be glowing next to your bed because any light that comes into your room is actually going to drop your melatonin, which is the hormone that you need for sleep. Sure, sure. So does does food affect your sleep also? Food can affect your sleep. There's, there's a couple of factors, um, and it sort of depends on most people's digestive capabilities. As we all age... You know, you start pushing past the ages of 30. I'm sure in your 20s, you could like eat pizza, have a bunch of beer, go to sleep, and there was no problem. When well, except maybe a hangover. Right? Except maybe a hangover in the morning, <laughs> exactly. You might be feeling a little bad. And then there's just, you know, I don't know, maybe a beef sandwich the next day or something, right? <laughs> yep. Um, but as we move into our 30s and 40s, it becomes, well, I can't eat so late at night. Maybe I'm getting a little bit of reflux. As we age, your uh, amount of hydrochloric acid that's produced in your stomach and most of your digestive juices drop. So the later you eat at night, you're putting more of a burden on your body at the time where it's supposed to be detoxing and cleansing itself. So eating late at night for a lot of people can be problematic. Now, on the flip side, if you have trouble with blood sugar control, maybe you need to eat a little bit of something before you go to bed. Because if your blood sugar drops too low, one of your other hormones, which is cortisol, will peak up. And this is where people wake up at about 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, and they wake up and they want to have a snack. Mm -hmm. I'm not morally opposed to that happening, but what that signals to me as a physician is that we need to do something to help regulate out that person's blood sugar during the day better so that they're lasting at night so that they can actually have a breakfast, a breakfast in the morning, which is technically where that term comes from. Because you should be fasting overnight. You should have enough stores of glycogen for glucose production while you're sleeping to be able to make it through the night to wake up in the morning. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of times that um, we're detoxing when we're sleeping. Yes. And so what can we do to help detox if let's say we're eating the right way and we have the right, you know, chemical balance within our stomach, all that. Is water important? Is it, you know, what are those things that we can do in order to sleep better and using those kinds of things? Sure. There's dependent, well, depending upon bladder capacity for people, right? I <laughs> well, mean, yeah, the older we get, the harder that gets, right? Exactly. We want to make sure that overall you're hydrated. And the general rules for hydration are um, half of your body weight in ounces per day of water is what we're looking for for hydration. That in itself is going to help a lot of people because if we can't keep the lymphatics and everything else in the body flowing, um, that's going to slow down our detox processes. Now, I don't want you drinking 64 ounces of water before you go to bed because inevitably you're going to have to wake up to use the bathroom. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> However, um, if you are chronically dehydrated as well, think of like a plant. So if any of you have plants in your house... And you, like me, have plants of neglect, right? Things that don't need to be watered very often. Oh, I have a brown thumb. I get you. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we The soil will get dried out. So if you start to pour a bunch of water into there, it just runs out of the bottom. Your body, if it's chronically dehydrated, is very much like that dried out soil plant. So we have to add water into it slowly. This is where people are like, oh, I tried adding water in and all I do is pee all day. Mm -hmm. Well, 
Yes, you will. But if you add that in slowly, you're going to slowly work on hydration. So what does slowly mean, though, to the average person? I mean, is it, you know, a six ounce, a 12 ounce cup of water? You know, what I is that? I add in like, a, like an eight ounce cup of water every couple of days till you get up to that recommended level of about half of your body weight in ounces per day. Okay, that's great information. So Chris, what does exercise do with sleep? Ah, exercise is wonderful. So the American Council for um, Health Prevention usually wants people to exercise about 150 minutes a week. For some people, they can exercise, go home and go to sleep. For some people, exercise in the evening actually decreases their capability to lay down and go to sleep, which isn't what we want. So I always ask patients when they come in, you know, are you exercising? What are you doing? And I want to know what's going on. And then I'll ask them, if you exercise late in the evening, does it have a tendency to wake you up or keep you up? For some people, exercise stimulates a, the rebound side of that is more of a state of fatigue. And then they're able to go into sleep. It's sort of akin to taking a really warm bath before you go to bed. It induces that same thing of increasing the hormones for relaxation so that you have a tendency to sleep. For my patients, that that doesn't happen, we try to shift working out for them more into the morning time. Because that helps to burn off cortisol, that helps to better regulate out your blood sugar, all of the things that we're talking about before to be able to help you sleep. So for the couch potato, Mm -hmm. how do they start doing a little bit of exercise and building up to where they could get fatigued? Because you can't go from zero to 100. No, 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 no. That's the the worst thing you can do. (laughs) Because if you do that, look, and my biggest thing for exercise is finding something that people like to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like my my own personal version of a bad day is asking me to go run on a treadmill. Like I feel like a hamster. Yeah, I can't. I prefer to go walk outside regardless of weather. I don't mind the snow. Mm -hmm. I know that's not common potentially here in Chicago, but I don't mind the snow and I don't I don't mind it being um, warm out either. I'll pick times during the day where it's not as hot to go out and I'll go for a walk and I have a pet, so that also helps. I'll take my dog out for a walk, and that encourages me to get out. It's actually been shown that people that own dogs are 20% closer to a normal BMI because they have to actually walk their dog. So sometimes I'll give people an initiation of, like, maybe you need a pet in your life and go out and go for a walk. Okay, don't tell my child that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also encourage people to find a buddy. Yeah. Because sometimes, and especially I find for women, if they are held accountable to someone else, they have a tendency to like to do things. Sure. So if that means that you need an exercise buddy, um, then by all means, then if you tell that person, let's meet on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at this time, you feel a responsibility to that person, and then you go out. So it can be something as simple as just starting out going out for a walk. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people kind of bypass the exercise because we all live very busy lives. We do. And so I find if I put it in my calendar yes. and, it, and I schedule it and my assistant doesn't get to override that stuff, right? Exactly. Uh, then then I'll actually do it because otherwise, it, oh, it's, I'll get to it later, right? Correct. So, you know, as we think about how do we calm ourselves down in order to go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, how does meditation work into that? Uh, meditation is a cornerstone. And just like exercise, meditation is one of the first things that get thrown out when sure. people get busy. Yep. But the tough part is, is that if you do exercise a little bit or you do meditate a little bit, and you can do something called flash meditating, it's five minutes of meditation a day, it's actually been shown to increase your productivity. Mm-hmm. So you're actually more productive in what you're doing for our busy lives and our lifestyles. But long-term meditation helps 
change your brain chemistry. So they've done studies and functional MRIs on people that have a long-term meditation practice. And what they find is that the centers of their brain that respond to self-induced stress are less reactive. Sure, sure. So how does somebody start meditation? I mean, because when you think about how to calm your brain, it's kind of one of those, I don't know how to do this. Where do Where do people start? Sure. There's a lot of apps that are available for people. Some of them are paid and some of them are free, but many of them have guided meditation on. And what guided meditation is, is basically someone else, you put, you know, plug your headphones into your phone or your device and find a quiet place where the kids aren't going to bother you. And, you know, you can put, I've had people put signs on their door, like this is mom's 10 minute rest time. You are not allowed to knock unless the house is on fire and have them plug in and find somebody's voice that you respond to and that you like, because if it sounds like your third grade teacher that you hated, that's not going to be something that's joyful for you and you're not going to come back to it. Let them guide you through a state of relaxation and you can find in these guided meditations, anything that you're looking for. So reducing things like stress or burnout, improving sleep, decreasing stress eating. Like you can type in any of those. And one of my personal favorite practices, especially for women that in my opinion are suffering from something that I like to call lady burnout, <laughs> um, is uh, because they found that, you know, women, as, as a working woman, I, I'm very appreciative of what I do. But as a working woman, we've just added another job for a lot of us in traditional roles in our houses. And um, they found that women in society now are more burnt out than they ever were before. Oh, absolutely. And so there's a practice and there's a, a book written by a woman. Her name is Karen Brody, and it's called Daring to Rest. Wow, what a concept. What a concept. <laughs> um, but what it is is giving yourself permission five to anywhere between five to 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. to basically lay down. You can sit up or be semi-reclined as well to do something called yoga nidra, which oh, is yeah. yoga sleep. And it is a guided meditation for relaxation. And what the studies have shown is that doing 20 minutes of yoga nidra a day is like getting four extra hours of sleep. But if you can make it through five minutes of yoga nidra, that's amazing. It's because still good. I fall asleep about it. Five minutes of yoga nidra. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, what are the other things we can do in the environment of sleep? Is it having room darkening shades, uh, the temperature? What are those other kinds of things that we need to think about? Sure. There's lots of things that actually help improve sleep. So what I usually tell people that are having trouble sleeping is first and foremost, you have to have what I like to call a bedtime ritual. Okay. So your bedtime ritual is something that you do every day that begins to program your mind to now is the time to go to bed. So, you know, mine includes little things like, you know, let the dog out, put the remotes away, make sure the dishes are in the dishwasher, brush your teeth, wash your face. You know, I've got this whole little routine. And then I stretch my legs before I go to bed. Interestingly, your legs hold most of the tension in your body. And so I have a little series of yoga positions that I do passively in my bed to stretch my legs out because it helps really set my brain for that intention to begin to kind of calm down. People sleep really well in a bedroom at about 68 degrees. Mm-hmm. So anywhere between 68. And then the summer, I'll tell people you can go up to about 72, maybe 74. But it depends on how many layers of clothing and or blankets you have. And, and what part of life you are in. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> could, be, could need to be 64, 66. Yeah. <laughs> My menopausal women, I will say that there's a couple of companies that make pajamas that are um, cooling and sweat wicking mm-hmm. that are really great. And I highly, I highly subscribe to those as well. Room darkening shades. It's been shown that 
when you have your room dark, it increases melatonin production, which is your sleep hormone. Yeah, and especially for those of us that live in the city, we've got lights everywhere, right? And unless you're in the country and you're just got stars up in the sky, I think, I mean, I I put the room darkening shades in my room recently and my sleep is, has been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Sleep is still not my friend, but, you know, I can get a couple hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And every little bit is going to make a difference. Like, I, I usually tell people, like, changing one thing isn't going to make you all of a sudden sleep. That this is, it's like pieces of a puzzle that have to come together to put the perfect scenario together to get you to sleep. And I will say doing practices like mindfulness, breathing, or meditation, or yoga nidra as well help you discharge that stress out of your body so that it drops your set point down so that you're not waking up at two and three o'clock in the morning and processing your to-do list (laughs) of things that it is that you have to do. For those people, I tell them to keep a journal by the side of their bed. And if they do wake up, to begin to write those things down so that you don't have to store them in your brain per se. So you can look at that list in the morning and you're like, okay, I have these things I have to do. And and for the normally busy people, they actually would probably want to take their cell phone out and record it. Yeah. Instead of writing it down. Correct. And that's we, we don't want to do that because then you're inciting the blue light factor again. Right? Exactly. That's exactly it. So I'll tell people you can have a small light by the side of your bed. You can turn that on and then go ahead and write those things down. For people that want to read in the middle of the night to shut their brain back down as well, I'm I'm fine with that. But same thing. It's got to be a real book. Mm-hmm. Not an ebook. There'd be a real book. You can have a little clippy light on your book so you're not disturbing anyone that's sleeping next to you. Newer generation Kindles, actually, or some of the e readers, they shine the light down mm-hmm. instead of at your face, which also is helpful because they are not blue lit backlit. So those those are my one caveat for things that are okay, but you gotta shut off all your blue light devices about a good hour before you go to bed. Great. So we've talked about a whole lot of things today Mm -hmm. that could potentially help you with your sleep. And we can't expect people to go through that whole list we just went through and do everything. No. Right? No. So it it is a start small and work yourself up. So if you were going to give a piece of advice to our listeners, what would be the first thing that you would ask them to to change in in their lifestyle or their lives in order to sleep better? Shut the devices off 60 minutes before you go to bed. (laughs) That's by far the biggest one. And I get a lot of people that want to game in bed and they're checking social media before they go to bed. And usually that doesn't turn into something that's completely joyous unless... Interestingly, I don't know, you have happy puppy and kitten videos that you watch. I don't know. But a lot of people are looking at political things, which, you know, isn't inciting a state of relaxation for most people. Exactly. Before they go to sleep. So I would say to start there and then you can slowly incorporate all the other things in the bedtime ritual, Mm -hmm. the cooler room the darkening shades or curtains mm-hmm. to block out the light. And for some people, like I live in a residential area that intermittent noise has a tendency to wake me up. I also have um, an air cleaner that functions as a, a white noise maker. Yep. So that kind of dampens out noise as well, as well as, you know, spousal snoring and heavy breathing. <laughs> well, there is that too, right? There totally is that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've gone through a lot, but mm-hmm. how, how do people start making these as habits? I think change change that's permanent starts small and gradual. Right. So if you pick any one of these simple things to begin and then slowly begin to incorporate and change more of them, you'll start to see some positive benefits. If you find, however, that 
You know, if someone sleeps next to you and tells you that you're stopping breathing or you're getting um, morning headaches and you have blood pressure issues, like these are reasons you need to go in and see your doctor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to make sure that, you know, that we're not just running amok without being medically cleared to make sure that there's no other underlying factors that are causing your sleep disturbance because those are the things that you know less sleep can increase i think it's by like 70 percent your capability to have a cardiac event oh that's pretty scary yeah so we want to make sure that your blood pressure is well controlled that you've been screened for any arterial issues arterial and venous issues and for sleep apnea because if you've if you have sleep apnea you know everyone that i know that has had sleep apnea whether they're patients or family members all waited way too long to go and get evaluated for a CPAP and once they get it they wake up in the morning and they're like what took me so long oh yeah because they finally are getting decent sleep again and they're not as grumpy and they're not as grumpy (laughs) thank you Dr. Totes for joining us today and we really appreciate all the tips that you've given to our listeners thank you again oh thanks so much for having me sweet dreams are made of this Tune to the ResU podcast here on WGN Plus for more episodes with ResU thought leaders and partners that will introduce unique ideas and ways to help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. ResU, it's amazing to be needed.